This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. We're going to start off reading from Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to read from verse 9. Having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. That in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. I want to speak to you this morning on something that the Holy Spirit gave me. And I believe it's going to change your life. And I've titled it, Defying the Natural. Defying the Natural. We live in a crazy world right at the moment, and there's a lot of stuff happening all over the place. If there's ever a time for people to be grounded and to be rooted, to be established in truth, it's now. The thing about it is, we find ourselves in an interesting place. There is something called the unpredictability of beginnings. You won't find it anywhere I made it up. It's called the unpredictability of beginnings. What I mean by that is this. There is not one person here who asked to be conceived. Nobody asked to be conceived. And nobody asked to be born. So you had no influence in the environment into which you were born. You came out and all of a sudden you found yourself in a world that was going to start to give definition to who you were. The place that you found yourself was a place that was going to be defined by two people, potentially two people, who would make inputs into your life. And an environment that would make inputs into your life. And relationships that would make input into your life. All of the time, it was giving definition to who you were. The moment that you were born into this world and you found yourself in the space that was called yours, what ended up happening is you moved to a space that as a computer, you started to write the hard drive of your life. And everything coming in was forming and, and creating spaces inside of you that began to give you an idea and a definition as to who you are. The challenge that we have is that we grow up with a parent or parents who are not perfect. Parents have deficits. Parents have issues. Parents are not, not perfect in the way that they input into our lives. And as a result of it, what ends up happening is we come out of the equation and we're not whole and complete the way that we should be. There are areas to our life where we're excelling. There are things that we've accumulated. There are values that have been, become part of who we are. And those things are, are important in many ways. Because I'm able to step out and I'm a person who sits and says, you know what? I grew up in an environment where what was put into me was a grid that was established on the inside of me, the value of hard work. What was put on the inside of me was a good work ethic. And I understand what it is to be a productive person, to be a contributor to, to society. Because because it was something that was instilled in who I am. I have a grid and I have a place for that. And as I navigate my way through life, I have established into my hard drive a grid for a good work ethic. But not everybody had that. Some people grew up and they have no work ethic. And they find it difficult to be able to find their way in life because every time they get into a job, they think that they're doing a good job, but their boss thinks that they're a disaster. 
What happened? There was something in my upbringing. There was a deficit there somewhere and it's creating friction in my life because I'm living out of the place that I came from and all of a sudden I can't walk into the fullness of what I'm looking for. Why? Because my life and the things that defined me never equipped me in my entirety to go through life as a perfect being. So it puts us at a place where we begin to say, how mature am I in appraising my life? How mature am I? It's easy to talk about. The thing about it is all of us have hot buttons. And usually hot buttons are those areas of our life where we have the deepest deficits. The hot buttons of our lives are those places where many of our hurts reside. And so you touch my hot button and you're going to get an emotional response from me. And what ends up happening is it's so strong that what it does is it curbs the ability to have conversation. Stay away from that area of my life. Don't come into that space because it hurts. Anytime I get an emotional response in my life, what it's telling me is there is something there. There is something happening in that space. Why is it that you can't go there and you can't begin to explore what's happening there? There's a part to who I am that's incomplete. Unless I'm prepared to step into the place where I'm prepared to embrace maturity and step forward in that, the problem with it is I never grow and develop. There were only two people who were ever put into a perfect environment. That was Adam and Eve. God created them and he put them in the garden. And what happened? God was perfect. The garden was perfect. But man messed it up. Man messed it up. And as a result of that, what came about is what is introduced to the world that we know it is something called sin and death. When sin and death is there, what it means is each of us are going to grow up in an environment where sin and death are going to manifest itself to varying degrees in the way that we grow up. You are going to grow up with issues. I know, it's a shock. You think everybody else has got issues, but they're just a couple in your life. Maybe not a lot, just a couple. Because there's some spaces in my life where I need to do some things, but I'm not equipped to do it. There's some potential that I should be walking into, but I don't have the, pretend, I don't have the capacity to walk into that. I've got some good news for you. You see, when Jesus was born, Jesus was born in a manger. Now, we all sit and we have a look at the manger picture. And we have such an idealized picture of what a manger is. A lovely spot where these well-kept animals sit. And they all look around at baby Jesus, who's lying in fresh hay with Mary and Joseph. My wife and my mother-in-law mucked stalls, pony stalls, for many years. Now let me tell you something about stalls. The reason you have stalls is because you put animals in there with their food. And when you put animals and food in a confined space, things happen. And what happens is not pretty. What I'm telling you is this. Jesus wasn't born into pretty. What I'm telling you is, Jesus was born in the manger. 
The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Christ, the anointed one, the son of God, the savior of the world was born into stuff. The thing about it is stuff didn't define him. The problem with it is we have too many people who are born into stuff. You can raise your hand at this point and say, I was born in stuff. You know what the good thing is about that? What it says is, I can be honest with myself. I was not a product of Eden. I'm a product of stuff. And if you're a product of stuff, what it says is, Jesus, I'm not perfect. So I'm coming to you. Because you know what the truth is? The world that you are born into is where you start. It's not your destination. The stuff that you've been born into is your starting point. It's not your destination. Don't live in stuff. We have a choice about what we have to do. And part of our responsibility when it comes to being mature as Christians is to sit and say, Father, I open myself and Holy Spirit come in and invade my life. Show me the stuff. Come and muck the stall. You've got to pull some of that stuff up and I don't like it and it doesn't look good and it's stinky and it's embarrassing because the rest of the world gets to see it. But I don't want to live in that space because I'm moving out of stuff and I'm moving into your plan for my life. There is so much to be said for the truth that we were created in God's image. When you create something, you create something with a purpose. Nobody randomly creates a thing and says, I wonder what it is. I wonder what it's for. When you were created in God's image, he created you for a purpose. Part of the purpose that he created you for was to be fruitful. What was one of the first things he said to Adam? Be fruitful. You were created on the for fruitfulness when you were created in God's image he said part of your purpose is fruitfulness so when I'm going to create mankind period not born again Christians and non-born again Christians are excluded when I created mankind I put inside of them an appetite for fruitfulness why do people get disgruntled in their normal why do people get dissatisfied where they are Because built into me is the image of God that says, I want to be fruitful. I don't want to live where I am right now. I'm not looking for my relationship to be where it is. Because there's so much more. And I understand that I'm coming from stuff. And as long as I'm looking outside of me to find salvation and not going inside of myself, we don't clean the stall. I got to go inside of myself and sit and say, Holy Spirit, you know what? I'm dissatisfied in my job because I'm performing function, but I believe that you called me to destiny. Come in and show me what that's about. Anytime he leaves us at a place where we're unsettled in where we are, what he's saying is, I'm wanting you to recognize you were made in my image. You're doing exactly what I created you to do. You're dissatisfied with where you are. You don't want to live in the stall anymore. You're dissatisfied with muck. It's a good thing. People do not naturally like to live in need. People do not naturally like to live in deficit. 
People do not naturally like to live in any kind of friction. People are always pointing and moving in a direction where I can become productive in my life. In all aspects of who I am and what he's called me to be. When God comes into your life, the whole purpose of what he wants to do is introduce you to him so that he can elevate your normal. The normal that's been defined by the world that you never asked to be born into. The world that's been defined by all the stuff. He says, if you invite me in, the reason I'm coming in there is because I'm going to do something. I'm going to take every part of your normal and I'm going to elevate it to a new level. God never takes us down from where he meets us. He only ever takes us up. If you partner with God, he's going to take you on a trajectory and he's going to take you on a path where you begin to realize your purpose for who he's called you to be. But part of walking into your purpose for what he's called you to be is being able to partner with him on the journey. You don't know what God has for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9 says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But he has revealed them to you by his spirit. You know what the problem with it is? We look at our environment and we're looking at the stall and we're looking at the crap and we're looking at all of the stuff that's all over the place. And we're having a look and we're trying to find my destiny and my purpose. And God says, it's not by sight. Stop looking at the stuff. You're not going to find your purpose and your plan in the stuff. Stop listening to what everybody says about how the stall looks and what works and what doesn't work and what stinks and what needs to be changed. Stop listening to what people say because you're never going to discover God's plan for your life. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has for them. But you are going to get them revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. It's important that we understand in our journey through life, unless you partner with God, you'll never discover your purpose. Because it's not by eyes, it's not by hearing, it's by the Spirit. And if you don't hear what the Spirit has to say about direction for your life, you don't know which way you should be going. This just feels good. Feelings are dangerous because feelings come out of stuff. People make bad decisions because it feels good. But the feeling came out of stuff. I was so abandoned and so hurt through the experience. It touched me so deeply. And it pulled my heart out. And because of that, I'll desperately take anyone who will love me. My emotions comes out of brokenness. But I'll think I need something. I will identify something as a savior in my life just because I have a need that he never fulfilled. Be careful of your emotions. The children of God are led by the spirit of God. What defines our world becomes our natural. This is natural to me. This is normal to me. Normal is defined by the stall that I grew up in. 
The challenge with it is, your normal will prevent you from stepping into progress. You see, God is all about calling those things that be not as though they are. So when God comes into your life, he's not going to talk to you about what you can do in the context of where you are defined. He's going to give you a dream. It's called those things that be not. What are you dreaming about your world? What are you dreaming about your situation? What are you dreaming about your life? What are you dreaming about in terms of your career and where you want to go? What are you dreaming about when it comes to your kids or your gifting? What are you dreaming about? He's going to give you something because what he's saying is, I have to get you out of the stall. And my world for you and, and the place that I'm taking to you is not going to be defined by those limitations. I'm going to take you out. So I'm going to give you a dream of where I'm going. The problem with it is, and I, if I take God's dream for my life and where he wants to take me, and I process it through my experience, I will never step outside of the stall. If you grew up and you were a person who was creative, but you were not scientific and mathematical, we're all different. So what happens is, when you get into your math class, you have to work a whole lot harder. And you probably don't get the same results as people who have a natural aptitude for that. So what ends up happening? If I'm not careful, my normal starts to tell me that you're not as smart as other people. And so if I buy it, I develop something on the inside of me that defines my sense of normal. And God comes into my life And he says, I'm so excited to meet you. You know what? Thank you for inviting me into your world, into your domain. Do you want to hear about my plan for your life? Do you know what? I would love for you to go out there. And I would love for you to be a creative teacher. And you think about it. And you start to meditate on it. And you start to consider it. And you get so excited about the dream. Until you start to have a look at your normal. And your normal says, but you're not all that smart. So you probably won't be able to get through college to get to that place. So what happens? I procrastinate and I defer and I don't pursue because I don't think that I'm capable of. Because I've taken my dream and I've processed my dream through my normal. I always run the risk of losing what God wants to put into my life. Because I don't feel I have the capacity and the capability to step outside of my normal into what it is that he has for me. It says that when God, when we understand the mystery of God's will, what it does is it begins to define for us God's purpose. When you understand God's will in your situation, what he's saying is, I'm letting you know I've got purpose here. When you know that God sits and says to you, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. What he's saying to you is, my will is for you to prosper. You may sit and say, I came from an environment where nobody in my world prospers. Nobody stepped outside of the bracket. Everybody I know in every situation and every circumstance and the education system and the, everything around me was defined by need. And he's sitting saying, but that's not my will. Do you want to grab hold of the dream and walk with the dream? Or do you want to be defined by where you are? 
In Mark chapter, uh, in John chapter five, it tells the story of Jesus and he's walking along and he comes to the pool of Bethesda and there is a man there who's crippled and Jesus goes up to him and Jesus begins to speak to him. And what is the first thing that he does? He gives Jesus all the reasons why he's stuck in his muck and he's stuck in his stall and he's caught in his normal well, you know, I'm crippled and I have been this way for a long time. And the challenge with it is it's like only one person gets to get into the pool. And the other challenge is it's never me because everybody's so much quicker than I am. All the reasons why I'm staying in the stall. God is, Jesus is sitting, talking to him about potential. Jesus is talking to him about the fact that I want to change your life. And what does he do? He talks about the stall and my stuff. Very often when Jesus comes and speaks to us, the first thing we do is we talk about our stuff. But he comes in and he says to him, I'll tell you what, rise up, take up your bed and walk. He spoke into his situation, but he had to make a decision about what he was going to do. Jesus is going to speak into your situation. The Holy Spirit is going to reveal to you the plans and purposes that God has for your life. But once he's spoken into your domain called your life, he's given you the authority to rule over that. You have to decide what you're going to do with it. Do you step up and say, I'm going to act on it? Or do you say, that was really nice. I'm looking forward to the day when it happens. He pulls us out from where we are. Why? Because God's intention is that your future bears no resemblance to your past. He's going to pull you out and he's going to take you to where he wants you to go. And when you're up and you're walking and you're carrying on, it's not going to look anything like your past looks. But you've got to make a decision to sit and say, this is my life. This is my normal. And I'm prepared to partner with you. He gave you a domain called your life. You are a dominion figure. As a dominion figure, he gave you the responsibility over your domain. Because he gave that to you, he's not going to cross that boundary. Though, what does he do? Stand at the door and? What is he saying? I'm looking to come into your world. Will you let me in? Why do I have to let him in? Because he's already given you the authority over your domain. He doesn't have the prerogative of just walking in and, and exercising a coup over your life. So he waits. I stand at the door and knock. Will you open? Our will becomes important. In God's economy, our normal is no reason not to be successful. In God's economy, my normal is no reason not to be successful. There is nothing that defines your normal that God has to look at and says, that's just a bridge too far. Well, you're stretching me with that one. Anything that defines our normal is a place where God sits and says, I have a will and I have a purpose. And if you grab a hold of it, it'll take you out and it'll walk you into something new. Second Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things. Say, I have all sufficiency in all things. May have an abundance for every good work. 
Grace has made provision for you to have all sufficiency in all things. God is loving and God is merciful, but God is not as interested in your normal as he, inter- as he is interested in his purpose. He is much more persuaded by his purpose. And what he's saying to you is, I have made every provision that you need for any circumstance that you find yourself in to be able to move through that and to move to the other side. So it puts a responsibility on us. Anytime we allow our normal to define our vision, it runs the risk of giving us permission to live as a victim. Anytime you let your normal define your vision, you run the risk of letting it give you permission to live as a victim. Can I speak to you about something that's close to the bone? Well, two of you. (laughs) Please hear what I'm saying, because I want you to get what I'm saying, okay? Recently, with all that's been in, happening in the country, I want you to know something. I, I, I've had to interrogate so much of where I am and how I see things and trying to get myself to a place where I'm able to get into other people's world and so I understand normal, but at the same time, I leave myself established in what I believe is kingdom. Okay? Anytime I step outside of kingdom, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. Let me just say this. Kingdom values people. It doesn't matter who you are, what color you are, where you come from, what gender you are. Kingdom values people. There is nothing outside of kingdom, outside of people that the kingdom is for. It is for people. God loves people. Let me tell you something. We love people. All lives matter. Now, having said that, any time there is a person or a group that is in need, that is facing injustice, there is a place for the body of Christ to come in. And you say, you know what? Our responsibility is here to these people. Why? Because God loves people. But as far as the kingdom, I'm going with it. The point is this, in everything that's happening right now, there are some things that sound really good, but I think that innately within them, we have to be so careful in the way that we approach it because it has the seduction to bring us to a place where what it does is it limits and inhibits us rather than sets us free. Let me talk to you about what I mean. I'll give you one example of what I mean. Okay. Systemic racism. I'm not going to tell you whether it's right or wrong, whether it exists or not. This is not a commentary on that. Whatever you believe, that's okay. But what I want to say to you is this. Inherent within that idea, we have to be careful. And I want to encourage you that if you are in a place where you find that racism is rampant around, you know what? I I hear what you're saying. All I'm saying is this. Don't let what is our natural define our vision. 
Because what ends up happening is we run the risk of putting us at a place where we never walk into God's plan for our life. Inherent within that is the potential problem of something that sits and says, you know what? The world is so racist and so against me, it becomes formidable. And it's like, I can never win. Because within the fabric of all of society is woven something which is against who I am fundamentally. And so what it does is it creates a picture for me that sits and says, can I ever really be successful in this world? I'm not saying racism doesn't exist. I'm saying it does. It's a tragedy, but it does. But what I'm encouraging you to do is this. Grab hold of God's plan for your life. Don't let it be defined by what your reality is or what, what, what defines my normal. God's always calling us to step out of our normal and to step into something new. People do this all the time. The people who grow up and they feel as though within themselves, they don't have the capacity and the capability to do so many things. And what ends up happening is every time they try and do something, when it doesn't work out, they turn around and sit and say, see, the world is against me. And it's like, no, the world's not against you. The problem was this. The problem was that. Anyway, this What I want you to say is this. Please listen to me. If there's one thing that's guaranteed in life, it's change. Change is happening. I can tell you now. For everything, there is a season. We like to put it in the context of our own lives. The thing about it is, I want you to know something. Your normal is going to be interrogated by seasons. When you're in elementary school... You can do some things and you can get away with some stuff because elementary school has very much defined who you are. But by the time you get to middle school, what's happened? The season has changed. And when the season changes, it suddenly has to look at you and says, well, where is your normal right now? I need something more from you. It starts touching on other parts of my life. The moment that you get married, what happens? A new season opens up. And all of a sudden, I thought my normal was so fabulous until it came crashing into other, somebody else's normal. And suddenly it was like, hold on a moment. What's happening? I'm in a new season. And it's demanding something of me. And it's sitting saying the things that used to be and, and used to be, equip you to be able to handle life, those things are past. That season is gone. There's something new here. Seasons are not bad. Seasons are good things because what they begin to do is they begin to interrogate who we are as people and they begin to place a demand on us. And there are some areas where we thrive because it's great and it's established and it's full and it's robust in our life. But there are other areas where I recognize, I know I should be doing this in that situation. I know and I wish I was better like this as a parent. I know that as an employee, I should be more diligent. There are things being demanded of me. Every time there's a demand being placed on me, I have the responsibility as a mature person to say, let me look at this area of my life. Holy Spirit, open my eyes so I can see it. Why? In the words of Zig Ziglar, the elevator doesn't go up to success. You have to take the stairs. What is he saying? We want to take the easy route. I can just be as I am and I'll be successful tomorrow. (laughs) You are going to have such a rude awakening. It doesn't work that way. We take the stairs. Because when we take the stairs, every time you take a step, it's a whole lot more that's demanded of you than standing still in the elevator. 
It stretches you and it moves you. And by the time you get to the third flight, you realize that you got muscles where you didn't even know you had muscles. Why? Because it's doing something in your life. Why? Because it's equipping you. So by the time you get to the top, you're able to be successful. You're equipped for it. We live in an interesting place. If you have a look at the end, it it talks about to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. Do you know what it's talking about? It's talking about the fundamentals of the way that God created you. You see, when God created human beings, he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to create a domain for you to live in called earth. That's why he created earth. And he put man on earth. It was a domain that he gave to mankind. And what he said to mankind, part of the instruction that he gave to mankind was, have dominion. As a dominion figure, what he was saying to him was this. You have the responsibility to reign and to rule. To reign is to take ownership and to rule is to have influence. The problem we've got with so much of the body of Christ right now is that we have too many people who want to be spiritual but not affect the natural. The problem we've got with so much of the body of Christ is that we want to go into our prayer closets and we want to sit and pray, Jesus, come tomorrow. Free us from where we are. And Jesus said, but I created you as a dominion figure. I didn't create you to escape the problem. I called you to influence the problem. I called you to reign and rule. I called you to own and influence. The problem with it is that the body of Christ has been so comfortable. And you know what the problem is? When we're fat and sassy and we can lie back and relax because life just happens, what ends up happening? We abdicate our responsibility. And before we know it, there is a travesty because I send my child to a four-year institution. And when they come back, I'm sitting across the way from a dining room table with them and I'm thinking, where did you come from? Where did you get these ideas? We put people through Bible school. Four years of Bible school changes their life. You go and put your kids in four years of college where they're indoctrinated and exposed to liberal thinking, which is all too often rooted in stuff against Scripture. What happens after four years? I come out the other side and it's like, whoa, what happened there? This is not a one-off incident. I can tell you a number of people that this has happened to. What happened? We didn't reign and rule when it came to education. We let it go. So what ends up happening is God is calling us to influence. He's sitting saying, understand, education is part of your domain. What are you doing, body of Christ? Are you involved in your local schools? Are you involved in the decisions that they're making? Are you being vocal about things? Everybody else is. I'm there to reign and rule. I'm there to have influence. I'm there to take ownership. The important thing is this. Where is Christ? In your heart. That's a clue. Where are you? On earth. How do you have access to heaven? Through Christ. Okay? Christ. All things on heaven. All things on earth. Through Christ. What is he saying? You carry within you that fulcrum, that connection between heaven and earth. 
What he's saying is your responsibility and the reason that he's put that together is because you're here to reign and rule. You're here to take ownership and to introduce influence. And the way that we do that is by working together with God. There were three parts to the equation. God created man. Man was created in his image to live out of relationship with him and have influence in the earth. The problem with it is we have a whole bunch of the body of Christ who are not engaged in earthly things right now. We are called to be involved in earthly things. That's your mandate. Satan has been so smart in deceiving so much of the body of Christ. So what's ended up happening is we no longer reign and rule in too many areas. And then we wonder why society looks like it does. The time has come for the body of Christ to wake up. The time has come for the body of Christ to get active. The time has come for the body of Christ to realize, you know what? We need to have influence in schools, in medicine, in politics, in everything. If we don't reign and rule in those areas, we're going to wake up tomorrow and suddenly discover that things have been redefined without our influence. I've gone so far over. Can I have three more minutes? Because I just want to tell you one thing. I promise I'll, maybe four. (laughs) But I I promise you. But this is really important. I want you to get this. Thank you. This This is really important. I want you to get this. When God speaks about heaven and earth, he's not only talking about our environment. He's talking about you. He's talking about you. What he's saying is, I have a plan for your life. And my plan for your life is to go, not to go and sit, get in your closet every day for five hours and shamatata. There is a place to speak in tongues. There is a place to pray. But the whole purpose of the, the reason that he gives you spiritual insight and spiritual truth is for application. Where is application? On earth. What good is it sitting in your prayer closet going, thy kingdom come. Thy, it doesn't do anything. It's a concept. It's an idea. It may be something which is exciting and it may tickle your fancy. It may be something which is a dream, but it's not enough. What he's doing is he's sitting saying, I'm giving you revelation for application. Change your life. As born again people, we're looking for success. We want to be successful and we're having a look out there. Where is success? And what we don't recognize is that success doesn't come from out there. Success is not pursued. You discover success when you become a person of value. When you invest in yourself and you start to grow up and you become more valuable. People, the world doesn't reward activity. It rewards worth and value. You want to know why the CEO gets a multi-million dollar salary and the person handing out uh, the cards to people entering gets a meager pittance. Why? Because one is based on function. One is based on activity. The other one is based on ideas. What ideas is God giving you to change yourself and your world? He's pulling you out of the stall. He's sitting saying, listen, I want to change who you are and I want you to become a person of value. Because when you become a better pastor, you don't have to go looking to fill up your congregation. People say, I want to go there because I get something. When you open a shoe company that comes up with a solution to things, you don't have to go looking for customers. They come looking for you. Why? Because you birthed something out of value. 
Stop looking for success outside of yourself. You will never discover it. It is a road to nowhere. If you want to be successful in life, get together with the Holy Spirit and say, make me a person of value. Show me, Holy Spirit, where it is that you want me to go. Show me what education I need to get. Show me what training I need to get. Bring people into my life that are able to rub up against me. I don't want people who are going to keep me comfortable in the stall. I want people that have moved out of the stall and have done something. And when I mix with those people, two things are going to happen. Iron sharpens iron. We all love that. Glory be. But it comes with friction. And unless you mature, what ends up happening is, I'm not getting around that person again. I'm offended. I'm offended. They didn't recognize how good I was and how talented I was. Maybe you're not. Can you be mature enough to sit and say, you know what? Maybe I overinflated that. Why do they see that? If they're somewhere where I'm not, there's a place for me to sit and say, you've got something you can give me that I don't have. We don't like that in this culture because we've developed a culture where everyone wants to be made peaceful, comfortable. Don't unsettle me with ideas that are offensive. I can tell you now, ladder to success, you're going to encounter offense. If you can't take some verbal offense from somebody, you're not going anywhere. Wait for the elevator. I'm telling you, I, I just, I can promise, I have it. I have people who tell me stuff. It's like, you know what? We like that church, except you know what? We just didn't learn anything there. We had to go other places to go and get fed. And you think, okay, well, ow! <laughs> a hard one. Talk about a bit personal. It's life. You can't get offended. Find out what God wants me to do, and I get on that road, and I head and grab hold of that trajectory, and I say, you know what? I thank you, Holy Spirit, every day you're opening the eyes of my understanding. I thank you that you're bringing people into my environment and into my world, people that shape me, people that rub against me, people who knock the hard edges off. I want to thank you that you're moving me to a place where you're introducing into my life those things that make me more valuable, so that when people into my midst, when I rub shoulders or I put word into somebody's life, they sit and say, that made such an impact on me. And you thought all you did was say a quick hello and a little word of encouragement. You didn't know what it did. God wants to pull you out of your normal. Everybody has a normal. Your normal is going to be characterized with some stuff. You're not special. Because you don't have any. Everybody's got it. You can hide it, but you got it. And it's okay. Because we're all on the same. We're all on the same journey. Your starting place is not your destination. God's going to do stuff in your life. Leave your domain open to his influence. Let him speak into your life. Be mature. People are going to touch the hot buttons of your life. And sometimes that's quite intentional on the Holy Spirit's part because I couldn't hear him. But when somebody did it, it showed me something. God's called us not only to take ownership, but to have influence in our world, but also in ourselves.
the Holy Spirit's going to grow you into all that he has for you. So you walk into the plans and purposes he has for our lives. Father, I just want to thank you that you're such a good God. I want to thank you that you're a big, enormous God. And I want to thank you, although we cannot comprehend all that you have available to us, I want to thank you that as we make a decision to put ourselves in a place where we surrender to the influence of your Holy Spirit, I thank you that he takes the things of you and he reveals them to us. I want to thank you, Father, for people who have an appetite and a zeal to grab hold of your plans for their life. And as they step out in obedience with that, I want to thank you that your direction is there, that your empowering is there, that your enabling is there, that your provision is there, that your protection is there. I want to thank you for a body that's growing up, for a body that's empowered, and for a body that makes a statement in the world in which we find ourselves. We bless you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.